0: I'd love to invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 3 and 4 and we're going to um, read the story of what we think of as the crossing, what was the crossing of the Jordan River. So I'm going to read it through and then I'm going to come back and draw out some things that I I think will kind of relate. The Graduation is a movement from one phase to another or completing... Uh, curriculum and you progress and you graduate means you were successful in the um, program, the steps, whatever it is that you're going through, and then you go to another adventure, another level, another um, job. So I thought this passage really had a a lot of helpful insight if you are someone who is working through something or graduating something or um, needing to work past some things so you can go forward. Okay, so Joshua chapter 3, Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. So they're at the Jordan River. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant, your God being carried by the Levitical priests, when you set out from the place and follow it, there shall be a distance between you and about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, "'Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God.' And Joshua said, "'Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel.'" From each tribe a man, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that is beside Zarethan and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nations finished passing over the Jordan. When all the nations finished passing, all the nation finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones From here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord, the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. As Moses told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the month, of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So let let me pray. Father, we ask you to take this narrative, um, this historical account, Of the nation of Israel crossing the Jordan River in preparation to go and begin fighting for the land that you had promised to Abraham. And we pray that it would help us, God, as we go to fight for you. And you've told us to carry the gospel to all the world and make your name known. And it's not something we can do passively, it's gonna require a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication. Um, It's going to take everything we have and help us to figure out each one individually here, God, where we are, which side of the river we're on. Are we standing in the middle of the river? Are we on the um, outside looking in to the promised land? Do we have things from our past that need to be dealt with so that we can go forward? Oh God, are we um, on the, this side of the river, celebrating victories and remembering great things that you've done. Um, Where are we, God, in this journey? And I just pray that you would help each person try to understand how to walk with you, how to go forward in the Christian life and whatever you need to do, whatever work you need to do in our hearts so that we can clearly hear um, what you want us to do and then obey and step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's really a lot in this passage, and there's no way that I can possibly cover everything, but I, I want to kind of narrow it down to a few things. Um, one of the things is that because we were celebrating markers for students, little kids, a little bit older kids, bigger kids, um, there's times in our life where we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate success and victories, and the Christians, we need to do that, and um, there's also times when we come to um, when you graduate from one thing, it's to move on to the next. And but when you move on in life, you need direction, you need courage, you need um, uh, you need time to kind of think through: Am I making the right steps? And and then and really, as Christians, we're always asking, like, Lord, what do you, what do you want for me next? And then, how well am I doing? If i'm in the middle, uh, so it's really sort of an assessment of what does it look like to go forward with God? so the first thing I want to talk about is um, are you even interested in going forward with God? Is this something you're thinking, well, I would like to go forward with God, or maybe you're just going forward you don't know where you're just going wherever you're Before the Israelites got here, they were wandering in the wilderness. And they had no sense of, um, they had direction, but they had really blown it. And they were um, supposed to have been already, they should have already been 40 years in the promised land. 40 years experiencing the blessing and joy of God. 40 years living out the life that God had called them to and that generation never got to experience what it was like to live for God. And I don't know how old you are, but maybe you're four years or 28 years or 60 years. Maybe you've never experienced what it's like to live for God. Maybe there's something that's kept you. You're like several times you've come right up to the river, Jordan, ready to cross over. But something from your past or something... Um, Where you weren't willing to fully commit to what God had for you. And something's just, you're ever up to the point, but you never seem to step into the river. You never trust God. And maybe it's your past. Um, The Israelites had to deal with their past. And I just want to talk to you for a minute about your past. Um, I don't know what you've gone through. I know, I know a lot of you and I know some of the things you've gone through and I know some of you who are walking with God right now and I know some of what you had to let go of. I know some of you had to make extraordinary commitments and decisions to deal with some things that were really hard in your life. But the only way you can go forward is you've got to deal with the past. And so I just want to lay that out there for you. Um, your past could in- involve... Um, some really bad decisions. It could involve um, drugs. It could involve sexual promiscuity. It could involve hatred in your heart because someone hurt you and you've just carried this wound. And every time you get up to the place where you want to go forward with God, you've not been able to deal with the past. And it just keeps coming up and it keeps ruining your future. Your past will ruin your future until you turn it over to God. He's the only one that can deal with your past. You're like going, "No, I can deal with it. I can deal with it with. I got a new boyfriend. I got a new person in my life, that's going to make my past go away. Or I got a new job. I'm moving to a new town. Or I'm. Uh, I've got this. Uh, I've got this strategy. Um, I'm going to lose a lot of weight, and I'm just going to be the new me. I'm going to be my new person out there. And whatever your idea of." dealing with your past can can I just be the bearer of bad news and good news the bad news is if you're trying any other strategy than Jesus it's not going to work but the good news is if you try, try Jesus then that's the key to going forward and you might not like that answer because the real reason that people don't like that answer is because they don't trust Jesus but let me question that for a minute why don't you trust Jesus and like, so, well, he's going to, you know, I kind of have this idea of partying and having fun and getting to make my own decisions. And I think Jesus is probably not a good manager of my schedule. And he's going to cut out all the fun stuff and put in all stuff I don't want to do. And so you, but the problem is you don't, you don't know that, do you? You don't really know that you're assuming that someone's told you that Jesus just wants to come in and mess your plan up. Jesus doesn't need to mess your plan up. Your plan is already a mess. That's the whole point is you're failing to trust Jesus who is much better at knowing which direction you should go in your life. Jesus has been watching you make a wreck of your life and he's saying, when will you learn? The people, the whole generation of people that died in the wilderness is because they thought they knew better than God. And as long as you think that you know better than God, you're going to mess everything up. And your future is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller until there's nothing. And you just so need to lay this down. There's a passage in 1 John. It's real simple and it comes up in a lot of sermons just because it's such a simple thing to do. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, why, why is that so hard? Why is that so hard if we confess our sins? It's because we don't like to confess our sins. Saying to confess my sins means I've done wrong stuff. And our pride just doesn't want to do that. Can you just get over that? Everybody in here knows you've done a lot of wrong stuff. We don't know all the wrong stuff you've done. We know that you've done way more than anybody knows. Only you and God know how much bad stuff you've done. But we know you've done bad stuff. Everybody knows that everybody's done bad stuff. But until you have a genuine deep talk with God and get very specific about it, then you're going to keep trying to go forward, but you can't because your past is going to keep dragging you and stopping you. And some of you need to take your past, all of it. You don't have to tell me everything, but you've got to tell God everything. You've got to tell God how much you lied and stole and cheated. How corrupt you've been and that nobody knows. You need to just lay it before God and say, Lord God, I don't know if you could possibly love someone like me, but you said that you did and you said that Jesus died on the cross to pay for sins as bad as mine. And you're going to have to step out in faith and trust God that He will do what He said He would. Otherwise, there's no path forward for you. There is no promised land for you until you will deal with your past. And so I just want to encourage you you're going to keep trying this thing and that thing, and I assure you, it will never get you to the promised land. All it will do is bring you up to the river where you can look across and see everybody else enjoying God. And, folks, that is a miserable life to live. It's miserable to see other people finding joy, working their way through their hardship, through their problems, even going on in trials. Look across the river and guess what they were doing over there? They were fighting for the glory of God and it was hard and people die when there's fighting. But they didn't want to turn back because they were going... Forward with God. So some of you, I just so want you to know how to go forward with God. And you're just going to have to lay down your sins. You're going to have to confess them. And you're going to have to get real and raw with God. Or you're not going anywhere. Okay? That's what they had to do. And it took them 40 years to get there. And this new generation was there. And I know that had to be on Joshua's mind. Lord, please. Let us learn from our mistakes and help us to lay them down so that we can go forward. And there's only one place to lay them down, my friend, and that's at the foot of Jesus at the cross where He died for your sins. You need to find your way today to the cross where Jesus died for your sins and you need to weep for how you've offended God. You need to get on your face before the living God and say, Lord God, I am sorry for what I've done. Can you forgive me? And he'll say, you know that I can. I have just waited your whole life for you to get to this point. Yes, I'll forgive you. He, if you will confess your sins, it says God is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and pardon your sins. There's a psalm, I think it's either 32 or 132. I get confused sometimes. I think it's 32. But anyway, it says, Blessed is he whose sins are forgiven, whose transgression is washed away. It's like so happy, happy is the guy. That's what it's saying. Happy is the guy, happy is the lady whose sins are washed away. Happy, happy, happy is the person whose sins are washed away and are no longer counted against them. Terrified terrified, guilty, unhappy, putting on a fake smile is the person who's carrying their sin, acting like they haven't sinned, knowing deep down inside that they have and they carry, they're terrified that someone's going to expose. Somehow their past is going to come screaming out of the closet and people are going to go listen to what this person did. And the people who carry their sins through their life are terrified that somebody's going to find out what a rotten scoundrel they are. But at the cross, Jesus says, I know what a rotten scoundrel you are. I've just been waiting for you to say it so I can love on you. We do the very thing that keeps us from finding peace with God. So I don't know, but maybe today we're standing at the river and you've got a decision to make. Will I go forward with God? And all he says, all you need to do is confess your sin and receive my son for your, to atone for your sin. That's a great start. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. So <clears throat> that's just finding yourself at the river and that's where they were. And then I want to talk for a minute and look at verse um, five. Joshua said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. We will do wonders The Lord will do wonders among you. So I don't know if you'd like to see the Lord do wonders. Or would you like to see the Lord do wonders? I'd like to see the Lord do wonders. I'd like him to see him do new wonders. I like reading about his old wonders, but I wonder if he's still doing new wonders. You ever wonder if God's doing new wonders? Well, if you're not seeing new wonders, it's because you're not in line and you haven't consecrated yourself. The people who consecrate themselves fully to God get to see God do amazing things. That's just the way it is. And the people who doubt God don't even believe it when he does do wonderful things. They're like, well, well, that ain't real. Uh, You can't fool me. That's trickery. That didn't really happen. People are literally telling how their lives have been transformed by God. And people go, well, that's nothing. You wouldn't believe if we could write down this morning and people came up one person after another to the microphone. We could do this. We're not going to. But we could do this and there could be so many and there would be people who just keep coming up to the microphone going, let me tell you what I used to do and let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you what I used to be into. And let me tell you what God has done for me. Let you tell me tell you the way my brain used to think and let me tell you how God is transforming the way I think. My decisions I make, the way I entertain myself, the things I now love, how I've moved from being that person to this person. The people come up and bear testimony over and over and over again. And a person that doesn't trust God, doesn't believe in God, would say over and over again, well, that's a coincidence. Next person, that's a coincidence. Next person, that's not real. They can sit there. The, the unbelieving mind can discount everything and anything that God's doing Simply because they've already made their, predis- their they have a predisposition to not believing in anything God's doing. So I hope you wouldn't be that that way. But when we're coming here, if you want to experience the power and presence of God and fresh in our church, then I'm going to ask you to join me in what we need to do. And that's a fresh fresh consecration of our lives and what we're doing as a church people to God. We just need to freshly consecrate. And that's what they did. They came down there and they consecrated this moment to God. And maybe you're in a, a place and you're, you've got some plans or you're getting ready to take a step in something and you've got a big decision to make or you're making one now or you just made one or, or you just graduated and you're going into a new, a new um, thing that God wants you to do. And then the only way that you really need to go forward is what you need to do now is consecrate yourself to God. What does it mean to consecrate yourself to God? It means to surrender fully. It means to dedicate it to God. It means to stop. He told them it took them three days. He said they would go there and they were there for three days, at the end of three days. And then the Lord said, um, he was giving them instructions. They made their way right up to the place where they were getting ready to commit and identify with God. So they identified with God and God's mission and in some ways, that's a conversion. Um, you have to do that first, but also it might be a new thing God is calling you to and come right up to the place. And then they pause to, to think about the, the seriousness of this great moment. Can you imagine what a serious moment this is in? For 400 years, the people have wanted to get to the promised land. What a big deal this is. Getting married's a big deal, graduating's a big deal, going off to college is a big deal, taking a new job is a big deal. Moving to a new town is a big deal. There's a lot of big deals in our life that we don't ever stop to consecrate to God. We just go barreling forward. Oh, it'll all work out. Says who? The Bible says, consecrate to God. Commit this thing. Whatever your next thing is you're doing, you have taken any time to consecrate to God. And consecrate to God means that they were to sit there and they would go, oh Lord, help us not to do what our fathers did. Our fathers blew it. Help us to do what those, those people who before us, like the first generation came out and they were sitting there going, oh God, I know what's within me. I know I have potential to blow this. I know how I have all these tendencies in my heart and I'm drawn to certain sins. And I know that if I'm not careful, God, I'll be drawn away. I know you'll use the things that have tempted me in the past or whatever. And I just want to seriously take this moment and I want to consecrate myself into your hands, God. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you consecrated yourself to God? Obviously, the Lord's Supper is supposed to do that every time we come to communion. It's supposed to be a time, a season of fresh consecration to God. But I just kind of wondered, do you think like that? Or you just go off on your own doing your own things all the time? I'm I'm more likely to do the latter. I'm reading the Bible and it reminds me to do what I ought to be doing. And he reminds me, it's like, you need to keep reading this book because this book will keep calling you back to making better decisions. I need to consecrate my life. I read this passage in preparation for this message, and guess what I thought? Hey, Scott, you need to be consecrated to me. And you need to deal with some things in your past. And you need to lay your future into my hands. And I kind of thought, lo and behold, Lord, I guess I do. I guess the preacher's got to do that too. I guess the guy out front needs to do the same thing everybody else he's asking to follow needs to do. So I guess I need to do some consecrating on my life. I need to rethink my, how I entertain myself. I need to rethink how I use my time. I need to rethink how I spend my money. I need to rethink about decisions I'm making. I need to rethink about my life. I need to consecrate myself to God on a regular basis because it's not too hard to get unconsecrated. It's real easy because we have someone that wants to unconsecrate us every single day of our lives. He wants to take everything we devote to God and he wants us to misuse it and mishandle it. He wants to ruin things that we commit to God. We take vows and we make promises and we sign contracts in the name of God and he doesn't care that we did that. He's not afraid to go because he doesn't feel once consecrated, always consecrated. He's like, God, no, no, I'll mess that up. I'll screw that family up. I'll mess that marriage up. I'll destroy that plan. I will ruin, I will submerge that mission. He's not afraid to mess with anything. So we have to every single day keep bringing things back to God. And I just want to know maybe that you need to reconsecrate your life to God right now. Maybe you're at a point, and maybe the thing you need to do is say, Lord God, I've been just, I've been barging ahead. I think I've been doing pretty well, but I don't know that I've really paused. To say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know that I've truly just laid this into your hands. I think I thought I know what the Lord's will is for my life. And so I'm out there trying to fulfill God's will, but I've never surrendered to it. And that's the thing. When you're excited about doing God's will, consecrating to Him is an exciting step. It's like, hey, man, this is exciting. I want to see God do wonderful things. I need to make sure that I'm consecrated to Him. And then they had to do something that was a bit scary. They had to step out into a raging river. They had to step out into the river by faith. It took faith. And some of you are right on the verge of the river and you're just standing there and you're terrified to step in. You're like, I don't know that I need to do this. I don't know that we have the funds to do this. How can I go do ministry? How can I... um, enter into this relationship. How can I do this? I don't know. How, how can you get... You know, I, I'm going to say this um, and I'll I, I just say it because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't pre-think it or anything. Someone's not surprised by that. Um, but like, here's an example. Sometimes people, there's this mindset that some people say, well, we, 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 we can't get married till we have all of our finances straight. Well, the Bible says you can't get married... If you're lusting, then you, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't put a financial requirement on getting married. I don't know where we got that in our heads. It's like, well, We got to get all of our finances right. Um, believe me, you can get them right and you, they can tank real fast. You can get married, then go into debt. See how that works. Um but we make up all these rules and these things and we kind of say, well, I can't do this until that. And you know why? Because we don't have faith in God. We're afraid to do something because we want all of our little ducks in a row. Sometimes churches will say, well, you can't take off and do that because you know, where's the money? We talk about doing some things sometimes and I'm not saying I don't want to be derelict and I don't want to be foolish, but I also want to do things according to faith. Sometimes we talk about faith and we're like, well, I don't know we have enough money to do that. That's not the question. The question is, God calling us to do this? And then you say, well, then do it. Sometimes we're afraid to step into the running water because we think we're going to drown and we don't trust God. The real question is if God says, do something, my friend, then you got to figure out how to get your foot. You got to get up to the river, and sometimes you just got to jump in. Sometimes you just dive in. I'm more of a diver myself. But I kind of would, like, would like to see what it looks like for us as a church. I don't know what your life would look like if you had more faith. Some of you will wait forever for the stars to align. And you won't do anything. That's not faith. That's fear. I have great fear in God. That's not... It's okay to have fear of God. That's a very different thing. But faith... Sometimes, sometimes there may be people, I suspect there's somebody in this room and you're just waiting for God to line everything up and the Lord's just saying, I've already released you, go. What are you waiting on? Trust me. So many times it's a lack of faith and people think that it's being, well, I just want to be a good steward of this and I just want to do that. I understand those other things, but I just want to ask you, is there something in your life and the real barrier isn't, Something that you lack of worldly provision is something that you lack in terms of spiritual trust and faith in God. And I just, maybe that's what you're here for today. Maybe the message you get out of there is like God is really saying, he's been, I really been feeling that I'm supposed to do this for a long time. And you've got, you've sought counsel. You've got biblical precedent to work from and you just won't go. It's like someone's going to have to actually push you off into the water. And God's just saying, I just want you to trust me. So maybe some of you, there's a step in your life you're supposed to take and you're letting other things keep you from trusting God, robbing you from the wonders God wants to do. Robbing you. It's like until you step out in faith, you're not going to see what faith can do. Okay, and then... The last thing I want to say is um, marking and celebrating progress with God. Um, They came and like they're crossing the river. They get all the way across and God says, Time out. Go back and get 12 rocks. Bring them over here and let's remember what God has done. And that's what I think we need to do a better job of. We need to go back into our past and find out these victories of God and remember them and celebrate them. We can't just go, well, thank God that was ever done. I don't know how many times. I just want to put this way. Put, I just want to say this. You should be telling your story of how God saved you so many times. It's like that's just a rock you've always ready to pull out and say, can I tell you what God has done for me? Can I share with you? And they had to go back and find. And they wanted, God says, I want you to know when you come to this marker um, that you um, can tell your children. I bet there's people in this room that have not ever even told their children how they were saved. How in the heck does that happen? How are your children going to believe in God if they don't know how you came to believe in God? You need to tell your children. I bet some of you have family members. You have no idea why or how you came to trust in God. They need to know. You have co-workers that don't even know you're Christian. They need to know. You need to pull that rock out and say, hey, i got a rock in my pocket. Would you like to tell it? If you want to, you can take a literal rock and put it in your pocket. And you can say, hmm, i got this rock. Would you be interested to in know why I carried it around? Because I want to tell because God did something in my life several years back and I just feel like He wants me to tell people what He has done. And so that's one rock that should be in your pocket. I want to tell you about, I told the earlier group about a, a, time, a rock. Something happened in my life. This is a um, a fairly recent reminder that I, I like to tell about. And that was about seven years ago. Many of you heard this story. I'm going to tell it again. About seven years ago, I was almost absolutely certain that God was saying, hey, you've been here about 10 years. I want you to go somewhere else and minister for me. And I was really consecrating myself to God. I was seeking God. I really thought God was saying, I'm ready for you. I want you to go somewhere and do a church revitalization somewhere and go do this. I was ready. We prayed. We had met with people. Decision was on my desk to say, do you want to respond to this positively and go or not? And you know what I found out? Um, God, I found out that what God wanted was not for me to go but for me to be willing to stay or go. He just wanted me to consecrate my life to Him afresh. It wasn't about where I went. It was about why I wanted to do anything. And God worked a fresh consecration in my life and He renewed my commitment to be where I am. I was so convinced that he wanted otherwise, and I needed that. So I knew, and that's a rock in my life. I can go back, and I climbed a mountain here. I went to um, up, like you're going up toward Black Rock, and I spent a day with God. I had my little backpack, and I had water, my Bible, and a notepad, and I spent the day with God. And that's all God wanted for me that day. And I had been seeking God for weeks and weeks and weeks, and finally one day I said, I just need to just go. I remember it was a hot day. It was a hot summer day. And I went up there and I sweated on my way up. And it poured rain on the way back. Poured rain. And that's a steep hill coming back down. And I remember the pouring rain. And as that rain was almost symbolic to me, I felt like God was washing my body. I felt like I had to labor to go up. And meet with God. And as I came back down, I f- literally felt that that rain, I felt like I was being washed before God so He could say, I want to wash you and prepare you for a new season of usefulness in your life. And that was a huge moment for me, a huge day in my life. I've got some other rocks like that. I can go to the bridge that I ran off and drove off my car off when I was 15 years old when I became a Christian. And I have made a couple of journeys to that bridge in micro North Carolina over the Little River on I-95. And I've been to that spot a couple times because I just wanted to go back where I first came to know the Lord. It was very, it's very special to me. And that's a rock of remembrance for me. And some of you need some rocks. Some of you have got some rocks, but you haven't pulled them out lately. And we ne- you need to celebrate and tell some of the wonderful things God has done. And so I don't know which side of the river you're on or if you're in the river. But I just want to conclude with this. I, I want you to think about where you're at in your walk with God at the moment. And that I want you to ask God to take you wherever your spot is. If you're still hung from your past, your past is hindering you. And you really don't know what it is to enjoy God and walk with God and delight in God. And Joshua was like up early seeking God. If like that's so foreign to you. Then the one thing I just want you to do is call upon the Lord and say, Lord God, I got some stuff in my past and I'm just ready to lay it down. We're gonna sing. Would you would you stand? And we're gonna sing. And if if you if you have something you need to lay down from your past, anything, um I want you to do that. I, I want you I want you to come forward as we're singing, and I want you to lay something down, and if that's anybody in this room I want you to come forward as we sing, and I'm going to lead in prayer. Second thing, maybe some of you are at a, a place and there's something you're getting ready to start and do. There's a commitment you've made, um, a mission you're going to be part of, a step you're ready to take in your life, and you're ready, and you just want to commit that to God, then I want you to come forward. There's a big decision. You're saying, like I just want to, I want to publicly acknowledge... I'm ready to, I want to commit this thing to God and I want you to come forward as we sing. And maybe you're here and you're in that third category and you're on the other side of the river and you just say Lord God you've done something recently in my life. I just want to publicly praise you and I'm just going to walk forward and as we sing this song, I'm going to I just going to praise you and thank you for something you've done in my life or maybe you've never thanked him for saving you. I just want whatever. This song, there's three different kinds of responses you can have. And as we sing, I want you to figure where you are, which side of the river you're on, and you want to go forward with God. Maybe you're in the middle of the river. Maybe you're already on the other side. And you just need to go back this morning and grab a rock and tell God, thank you, and give Him praise. But may God move in our gathering. And wherever you are, may you move towards God, giving Him thanks and praise. And if you are sitting there and you see God moving, then you pray. If you see someone move forward you want to pray with, then come pray with them, okay? Let us cross rivers and see God at work, okay? Thank You, Father, for this day. And stir in our hearts a desire To see the wonders of God. And I pray, God, that there might be a barrier right now that someone is fighting and resisting this very second. Would you just bring any barrier down that's keeping any of us from celebrating and experiencing the wonder of walking with God? In Jesus' name, amen.